0: this is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world a friend of mine told me i had to check out this pool america on main street and at the dinner table is talking about
1: infrastructure
0: when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train, the way it's being
1: done right now.
2: York city housing is a scam. It is a scam, scam, scam,
1: scam, scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper.
0: Hello, I'm Fred Mills, and this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Bonjour, and thank you for returning to the little podcast barbecue that's been serving you up some bangers in recent weeks. This latest juicy sausage of an episode is sponsored by Bluebeam, and we're going to tell you a little bit more about that later on. Bluebeam, that is, not the sausage. In the meantime, the impossibly attractive voice you're currently listening to is Fred Mills, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Liam Marsh and Luke Bly. How you doing, lads?
1: Good, mate. I'm good. Good. Nice little uh, nice little intro there, Fred. Came across very well, mate. Um, yeah, I'm doing good, guys. I uh, recently moved into a new house over the weekend, um, so I'm currently loving that. I've got a little little bit of a gripe, though. I've, uh, I've spent the last sort of... Uh, eight years i suppose living in one bedroom flats in london you know sm- small little apartments and what i found of uh i bought a, a house that's two story right and what's really getting to me is is the size of it so if i'm working down say in the lounge or something like that and i'll uh, I'll, I'll go up to bed say 11 11 30 something like that and i'll, I'll jump into bed and i gotta plug my phone in, and i'm like crap i've forgotten my phone charger then i have to get all get up Walk all the way downstairs again to grab it. It's a massive
2: gripe I'm having. I love that before we started recording, you said I've got a run rad- I've got I oh, wanna moan about that. <laughs> like, That's what you moaning <laughs> about oh. I
1: know. It's really annoying. It's honestly really annoying It's really, really right.
2: Well, in a, world where, in a world where people are facing mm. economic crisis and stuff, you're moaning about going to get your phone charged. There's a lot of
0: hardship on this planet right now, but none, none like that which Liam Marsh is oh. facing. <laughs> tell me about it, tell me about it.
2: How, uh, how are you, Luke? I love it, How mate. are you, mate?
1: Feels like I've yeah, seen
2: ages. I, well, it has. It has been ages, mate. It has been ages. Yeah. Um, no, I'm all right, mate. My ha- buying a house in the UK is ridiculous. It takes forever. That's what I'm finding out. Mm. And then I spoke to my my friends over in California on the weekend. They had a little cheeky catch up. They were saying, "Oh yeah, we can buy a house in like three weeks. Really? Uh, three weeks? What? what? Wow. I, I I was worried by that. I was like, mate, that we are definitely." going into another economic crisis if there are people in America who can just buy a house in three weeks. That's crazy. I reckon. Can I give you a tip about buying a house, mate? Don't. Buy a a small one. (laughs) 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 Yeah, thanks, mate. That noted. Or multiple phone charges. Mm. Fred, how are you, mate? You all right?
0: Yeah, not too bad. Another busy week. Had a very exciting trip uh, filming with some of the B1M team across Well, we started in Denmark and then we did a bit of Germany and then went over the Urusen Bridge several times to Sweden. I think we did it like three times in a day. So I changed countries three times a day and then flew back to London. So I had like four countries in three days. It's very, very exciting. All part of a new video we're making for the FEMAN Belt Tunnel, which is this new immersed tube tunnel being built under the ocean. Absolutely incredible. The access, the footage, the story we're putting together. I can't wait for you guys to see that one. Yeah, it's coming up soon. Otherwise, yeah, pretty good, mate. It's a, it's a nice time of year. Autumn, isn't it? It's. Um, I sound very old now, but the trees are looking beautiful.
2: That's the first thing I said, mate. When I came on, I was like, "It's so beautiful here. You're missing out, Liam. Come back. I come. I back.
1: knew both you guys were big autumn fans. I don't know why. I just, I just felt like that. That's that you're that way inclined.
2: <laughs> British, yeah. People, you go mate. on British and on. People. Oh, I oh, love can't it. wait for the what? summer.
1: Can't wait for the summer. And then a couple, say six weeks into the summer, oh so look. Like, Can't wait for it to get cooler. Summer is my (laughs) favourite.
0: Summer's my favourite. I'm I'm trying to put like a positive spin on the autumn. I'm trying to make myself feel happy about it by going, oh, look at the trees, not look at the economic situation. Let's just focus on the trees and keep smiling, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Economic situation. (laughs) See, that's so
2: British as well, bringing like other things into into it, you know, bringing the politics into the weather. I mean, it don't get more British than that. It's all right, though. It's all right, you know. If you ignore the government and everything, it's all right what's going on. (laughs) If you don't don't get out of bed in the morning, it's all right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As I said, we have a little cracker of an episode coming up for you today. This uh, this podcast is suitable for vegetarians as well. I'm, I'm talking about sausages a lot. We've got vegan sausages. We've got all the options for you. Don't you worry. This week, we are talking about Sweden's $100 billion city upgrade over in Gothenburg. Saudi Arabia is actually going to host the 2029 Asian Winter Games in the middle of the desert, complete with some crazy renders. Can't wait to talk about that. Albania has a new tree-covered skyscraper. Oslo is pushing for zero-emission construction machinery. We've also got a funny comment of the week and some of your emails. Let's go. So, first up this week, guys, we're talking about Sweden's $100 billion city upgrade. This is all about Sweden's second city called Gothenburg. Now, if you guys are anything like me, I thought this is where Batman was filmed, but no, it's not that. It's actually an actual place. Liam and I have actually been there before to talk about the, uh, the electric site, one of the coldest days we ever went filming for. Gothenburg is Sweden's second city. Now, shipbuilding had been the main industry there since the 16th century. That kind of declined in the 1980s. The shipyards were then turned into this high-tech R and D hub. Then, in 2014, the very exciting and excitingly named Gothenburg Development Strategy was announced, and that pledged over 100 billion US dollars to be invested between 2016 and 2035. All kinds of stuff happening with that: upgrading the city's port, and metro line, adding 55,000 new homes. We're talking all about this massive city upgrade and some of its cool skyscrapers in this week's video. What did you guys make of this? Have you ever been to Gothenburg, Luke?
2: Not to Gothenburg, um, but I've been to Sweden a few times. I've been to the north of Sweden. I've been to Stockholm a few times. I love Sweden. I bang on about it all the time. I love this part of the world, Scandinavia, Norway, Denmark, Sweden. I think they're beautiful places, lovely people. I like the food. I think the food's good. Um, but nah, no, I've never been to Gothenburg. I, I worked with a guy who was from Gothenburg and I was, used to make fun of him, um, but he was a nice guy, really. But yeah, Freddy Helberg, his name was, but we used to call him Freddy McIceberg. Um, but nice guy, really what nice name? guy. What great name, what was, Helberg? I know, right? What's
1: the context behind that, man?
2: Yeah? <sighs> it's the only thing I know about Gothenburg, really, mate, <laughs> is that I with an old colleague. <laughs> I had a colleague who's from there, that's it, that's it, that's the only thing. No, I know I know little bits about Gothenburg, but I think it really lives in the shadow sometimes of Stockholm, um, like a lot of second cities do. You know, you think of like Manchester here, and yeah, Manchester is the second city, I think, in the UK, not Birmingham, uh, or like Marseille in France, wherever. Like, they've always got kind of, I don't know, they they struggle with an identity. However... Gothenburg in this video has really, really, really impressed me. I mean, the world's most sustainable city. Like, that's crazy. Mm. You know, I was reading up some stuff. Isn't like the transport like powered and like 90% of it is green energy or something crazy? It's ridiculous, really impressive.
1: If someone had said to you, What is the world's most sustainable city, would Gothenburg be in your top three? Same, mate.
2: No, I had no idea. Oh, no. this something Not like Copenhagen, Copenhagen or somewhere similar to that. Yeah, like Helsinki or something. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, Fred, yeah. have you been to Gothenburg? So you went. You went with Liam.
0: I have. Yeah, Liam. It's, funny, it's funny you guys mention Nordic places because it's a bit like that. Like that is what you think of when you think about sustainable cities, and this is one of those places that is. It's incredible. It's really nice. It's very livable. The sun was shining when I was there, which which helps. Um, but it, but it's like an unsung hero. It's kind of. It's incredibly sustainable, punches above its weight, it's doing loads of good things, but most, well, I say most people haven't heard of it, I think a lot of people haven't heard of it, it's probably quite unfair to Gothenburg, but uh, yeah, when went with Liam, we we went to go and film this electric construction site where they were testing, I think it was 2018, they were testing out running a whole construction site with electric plant, and we went there to film it for a day, absolutely freezing, one of the coldest shoots we have ever had. Um, here I am complaining about the temperature again. I th- my body just maybe just doesn't have very good homeostasis. I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> I seem to feel the heat and the cold. <laughs> it was Mate, it was freezing though. As well.
1: It was freezing there. I remember I had puffer jackets, I had thermals on. I didn't have I didn't have a beanie though. My head. I remember my head and my ears being extremely cold. I think it was like negative like five degrees or something. Something like it was that. colder than that. You reckon? It was colder There's than a that. As yeah,
0: well, was it like- was like minus eight or nine.
2: Ooh, okay, that is cold, man. That's nothing to them. That's nothing yeah. to them. To the Swedes, the Nords, you know, nothing. You know what I like is, you, you know, you get some cities that are like, oh yeah, this city's been awarded like the uh, culture of the center of cultural excellence 2022 or something like that. They get these names and these titles. Mm and you don't really see much like related to that you know you don't really see you know the the product of that sort of title here you do see that and it's like uh, this thing like 100 billion being invested from 2016 it feels like we're already seeing the effects of that investment now you know so it's one thing to say oh yeah this is going to be like I I don't know, like the Swedes and Gothenburg, they seem to be taking this quite seriously, and they seem to be very proactive about it, and that's nice. That's refreshing yeah. to see.
0: Yeah, and what's impressive is that they're doing a lot of construction and development. There's a lot of expansion happening, but they're doing it in a very sustainable way. That kind of maintains livability and sustainability. So the kind of one of the questions we dive into in the video is, well, how do you do that? How are you, how are you managing to do all this economic growth, all this construction work, while keeping things sustainable and well managed and stuff center of it all is this city gate tower which is going to be the highest office tower in the nordics we kind of focus on that in the video most of it was prefabricated off-site like a lot of the country's housing stock prefabrication is a very big popular thing over in sweden that led to a super fast construction time i think the superstructure so you know sort of the the frame of the building and the cladding and everything took about the same amount of time to build as the foundations The foundations took quite a while because they were on a, a very complex site ground conditions wise but, you know, incredibly quick construction, it's, the building's highly sustainable, it's going to be LEED Platinum, which is the highest ranking uh, sustainability rating in, in the LEED system, 100% powered by renewables. You know, it's, it's a big building, but it's been built in a very sustainable, low-impact way. Recycled aluminium on the facade, they used a type of green concrete that replaced the cement part of concrete with fly ash, which is like a byproduct of the coal industry, And yeah, the the whole the whole way it was approached was was very not not just in a you know how quickly can we build it how how yeah how can we get on with this how can we get a nice building up it was through a sort of sustainability vibe which was amazing. Um, Team behind it was Skanska, and we talk about in the video how they used Bluebeam and Bluebeam Review to help make the build process faster. So yeah, by having their documents available to access and share in a shared place online by having that digital collaboration side that sped up um the way they're able to work together collaboration um the rate of which they were able to exchange information cut out errors may move forward so yeah it was it's a really good i think that building is a really good example of what's happening across the city more widely isn't it great to see
1: um a project and a city i suppose using the sort of modern construction um methods we spoke about on a few episodes ago about actual projects implementing like new innovation things like um like this like the fly ash and the concrete replacing the cement with that um the fact that it's powered by solar panels um and that fact that it's all done uh, via prefab right I, I don't think we've done a video on a project you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong on this Fred on a if we've ever covered a project on this that's that's used sort of these methods as many
0: of these methods before mm-hmm. uh, we have but not many have done as many as, as this like you're right Liam like it's, it's impressive to see so many of these things coming together <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be polite here <laughs> we have covered it have but not that often because it is quite rare it is quite rare yeah it's a bit tomorrow's book, um, and like you say it shows it shows that this part of the world is light years ahead and I'm I'm really proud we're yeah. telling this story again on the B1M because it sets an example for others to follow to and look to and be like you know this is this is the way we should be building this is this is impressive you know they, yeah it's not 100% perfect as there are some drawbacks but the fast construction time you know the minimized time on site the digital collaboration side using tools like Bluebeam the sustainable materials the sustainable operation of it is great we've got to build every building like this if we're going to turn the tide on climate change
2: Uh, The green concrete, the green concrete, um, that sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron. Yeah. Um, What's going on there, mate? (laughs) Is it actually green concrete or is it like concrete with a little bit of green chucked in? Like, How does that work?
0: Yeah, so being very frank about it, there's no such thing as green concrete. Pretty much any concrete is bad concrete. There are ways right. to make concrete less impactful, like by using uh, you know, graphene's a good example and they've added some graphene stuff in. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You end up using you needing less of it because it's stronger. Uh, same thing with this green concrete. So it is less impactful, but I wouldn't call it it's not like it's good for the environment. It's just not as bad. It's like a diet coke. Do you know what I mean? It's still not great for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's better than the full fat Coke. <laughs> yeah. Is it though? Is it? Well, I don't know.
2: I think I think you might as well have the uh the bad boy full fat, mate. That's me anyway.
0: But that is my mantra. If I'm gonna have a Coke, I'd be like, well, I might as well just have a Coke.
2: Mm. I'm always interested to see like skyscraper construction in Scandinavia because there's not tons of high rise over there, is there? There's not tons, and it, and it's noticeable. I always notice that whenever you fly to Stockholm, Copenhagen, Oslo, even. But I think even on Oslo, they got a really cool like waterfront. The waterfront down in Oslo, that development is is incredible, and it's and it's changing every year. And there are these like mid rises, but because they're the only mid rises around, they look taller than they actually are. Like in in, in parts of London, they'd be dwarfed by other buildings. But in Oslo, it works beautifully. Really, really, really good design. But I think with with a skyscraper like this, it's great that kind of like what Liam was saying. It's great that they're bringing like this sort of eco approach to skyscraper construction. Because although they don't build many skyscrapers. It's great that they're, they're they're taking this approach to it, and I think even countries or cities like London, Manchester, places throughout Europe, America, they could still learn from these guys who aren't like versed in building these huge towers, and yet they're still doing it in probably a lot more of a sustainable way than some of these countries that are knocking out like twenty skyscrapers a year or something. I think that's impressive, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you're right on the materials thing, like that. We do need to sort that out. I think if I've long for a long time been an advocate of mass timber construction and building with mass timber. We've done loads of videos on that on Tomorrow's Build. We've done a lot of uh, explaining of that over the years through both the B1M and Tomorrow's Build. It's obviously not great at the minute because material prices are so high. And I think supply chain issues globally are affecting construction pretty much everywhere and all of our lives pretty much everywhere, as we established earlier on. But it's the sort of thing that, you know, really we should be be building high-rise buildings with timber there's a lot of engineering going into that now there's a lot of stuff around seismic safe uh, seismic safety fire safety all the engineering that's gone with it has really uh, come on massively and, and timber buildings are getting taller so yeah mm. buildings like this i think it's great the green concrete thing is good but really there's a bit there is a bit more to go i'm not knocking it because this is this is leagues ahead of most other projects <laughs> out there but yeah you, there's always room for improvement isn't there and i think the for me the this is a bold statement, eradicating steel and concrete as far as possible is where we're going to have to get to in the next 20 to 30 years, I think. Oh, wow. Not long. Not long.
2: You'll still be a young whipper, whipper snapper in 30 years, mate. You'll still be down the gym getting buff. <laughs> getting oiled up looking in the mirror yeah
0: yeah um i don't know mate <laughs> oh, oh, it's, right. it's, hang on bang. whoa 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 how is this digressed from timber construction <laughs> I can see you doing that. to me in the gym i can see you doing that mate we're talking about 60s. your we're talking about your
2: guns mate your sweet guns <laughs> you know you're famed for them mate you know i'm just i'm just leaning into it i'm leaning into it that's what the people want uh aren't they building like a uh timber high-rise
0: in norway I like that pivot, by the way. There was no, no link in there at all. You just went, just ah, went straight from guns. Come come aren't
2: they building a <laughs> timber?
0: I can get away with it. Come on.
2: <laughs> yeah, aren't they?
0: Yes, yes, they are. But timber timber high-rise buildings and timber skyscrapers are pretty rare to the point where we can... You know, we, if you said to me, do an article rounding up the buildings, you know, timber buildings around the world that are high-rise, I could probably write it quite quickly because there's only a few really out there. So, mm. Mm. yeah, they're happening, but they make the news because they're a big deal.
1: With the, um, with with how the city gate is powered 100% by solar panels, right? I've, I've I've never, well, I've always sort of questioned this. If, if it's 100% off solar panels, what about a really long winter when there's not much UV coming through? There's not much sunlight. Is it during summer they pump so much back into the grid, you sort of save that?
0: Yeah. Some of it's to do with battery storage. So, um, during the, uh, during the, sunny periods, so you basically are not just getting the energy that you need uh, for that day or that week, you're also storing energy in batteries as well which can be used to kind of offset the the dips in demand for example during the night it's a good question Liam, I don't know because this this says is powered 100% by renewable energy, it's linked to this solar farm which is out of the city alright there must be some kind of backup system or another kind of renewable that kicks in, maybe it's wind and there's a lot of uh, surplus wind energy in the Nordics so it could be There's a bit of that in there as well, but um, as always, you've asked a question live on the podcast that I can't answer.
2: (laughs) Excellent. It's it's all that sweet, uh, I know it's not Norway, but it's all that sweet Norwegian oil that Norway keeps pumping and getting really rich (laughs) off of. (laughs) You know, I'm just, for, for balance, I'm just bringing that up in this region. You know, Norway is incredibly wealthy because of oil, isn't it? You know, and but they are one of the key players in sustainability as well. So again, you know, just to <laughs> level it up, you know, for, <laughs> for for balance, you know, like again, uh, I'm sorry, Sweden, I don't mean to talk about your 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 little neighbour to the west, um, but. You know, Norway has so much money in their, like, wealth fund that if they were to cash it in, like, every Norwegian would get, like, a substantial amount of money. It's something crazy, like three hundred or $400,000 or something per person. Wow. I, or It's something like that. Or they wouldn't have to work for the rest of the life. It's something ridiculous. Like, they're that wealthy, like, per capita. It's crazy, crazy rich country. Norway, Um, right? What what was I was going to say something else? You know, keep going on, keep going on (laughs) these tangents this week. I'm going to blame Fred. We always blame Fred, mate. um, The high rise stuff, right? That's it. Yeah, in the city centre, the video points out that they are trying to concentrate development closer to the city centre. I'm a fan of that because I believe in city centre living. I believe in being able to walk out of your flat, your apartment, your house being able to walk to a shop, walk to a market, walk to a cinema, so on so forth. Um, Do you think it's inevitable that cities like Gothenburg and really around the world are only going to build higher? You know, skyscrapers, high-rises are only going to be more common because there ain't much more option unless you want to do sprawl.
0: Yeah, and I think it's worth framing this whole part of the conversation with the point that what we are talking about here, particularly with Gothenburg, is a city that has a population that is pretty much you know a lot smaller than almost every other city we talk about in the b one m so you can't really compare some of these Nordic cities with the likes of New York London dubai Beijing, Shanghai because they are they're in a different galaxy of of you know population numbers I think I think the population of Gothenburg is about half a million people ninety percent of the jobs are in the city centre. They've really worked with this with this Gothenburg development strategy. They really set out to encourage not just business growth, but also livability, and there was a real kind of desire to keep the city's small and local feel. Central to all that is, this, as you say, like this real attempt to avoid urban sprawl and just make the inner city areas denser, which is where this thing like uh, the city gate tower we're talking about came from, like that high-rise gives you additional floor space in the centre of the city without sprawling outwards. They can see the benefit of that because they want to avoid having to build huge public transport infrastructure and people, you know, millions of people commuting in every day on railways or metros or stuff, that kind of thing. So, again, as I said, that's all kind of possible because they're a bit of a smaller city as compared to somewhere like London. There is a bit of a flip side to all this. So, uh, renting is very common in Sweden. So I think in the UK there's this desire, in the UK and some other countries, there's a real desire to own your own home, whereas in Europe and the Nordics it's much more common to to rent. There's a lot of protections for tenants to help keep rents low, but some have argued that those kind of generous provisions have actually disincentivized house builders to construct new homes. So as a result, there aren't there isn't really enough housing in the city centre. And the housing that's now being built on small sites has to become quite expensive. So this kind of affordable housing crisis we've been talking about around the world recently, particularly in places like London, personified in developments like Battersea, is also happening here as well. Um, Gothenburg's population is set to rise by 150,000 over the next two decades. So, you know, it's not big. We're going from like half a million to maybe 650,000, 700,000. These aren't huge numbers. So, they, they, yeah, they have similar problems to other places uh, in in affordable housing, but again, as I said, it's just not in the same league as some of the other issues we're talking about. It's not but it has a row in New York. See, I read
2: something about Gothenburg and it's southern archipelago, right? And apparently, it's a really popular. Holiday destination for a lot of Swedes domestically, and there's, there's this part of the city where usually the population's around five thousand. In the summer, it's ten thousand because of how many people own holiday homes there in wow. Sweden. Like, and they'll go there and they'll spend like the summer, a few months there, just hanging out. And I think that's that's an issue, isn't it? When you're talking about like a lot of people in Sweden or Gothenburg, wherever, are renting, and yet you got folk like. Just casually got a holiday home in the south of the city. Ah, oh, mate, it's um, it's complicated, isn't it? It's complex, and I, you know, I'm not suggesting that we're gonna solve that here on the world's best construction podcast. We're not experts at that, but it's interesting that you. you it's inevitable that you're gonna bring that up, you know, when you're talking about this sort of development in a city centre where they're meant to be building a lot of apartments, and how they're in in the industry over there. Maybe there's not the incentive to build loads of housing. Maybe there's not the incentive to build loads of apartment houses because it ain't worth it. It's not worth it. There's no profit in it and that's that's really complex, isn't it like what how do you go about that how do you go How do you start to fix that yeah well, I, I I don't know I mean, know like,
0: it's it's an interesting point because as we've talked about before, global populations are actually falling, but urban populations are growing so there's a huge transition of people from Rural areas into urban areas. The demand to live in urban areas is extremely high, and that puts a premium on space and housing, which makes it quite expensive. So you have this kind of affordable housing crisis unfolding around the world. There just aren't enough affordable homes for everyone that needs them. Where does that end up? How does that? What does that mean for the future of our cities? I don't know. It's a huge macroeconomic question, uh, and it kind of goes to the heart of the the housing market and how it works. But Let's not try and answer that on this episode. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the opposite to Toronto. At least, at least Gothenburg has a plan. Toronto doesn't seem to have any sort of plan. You highlighted that in the video. It's like, all I hear about is how worrying it is over in Toronto and parts of Canada at the moment, where people are just coming in, people are moving to cities, and there is no plan. And prices are just keep doing that. They keep going skyward, skyward, skyward. Um yeah, and I suppose they're similar in parts of the UK as well. I don't know if it is in Australia, Liam, but, you know, maybe you've been relieved of that. <laughs> I I don't actually know, to be honest, uh, about Australia, mate. I can't, I can't help he's it. He's bought his house. He's all right. He's got his phone charger. He's got his phone
0: charger. Yeah, it's not time to research. This has been grappling with the issues of how to charge his phone. <laughs> <laughs> I almost bought a bed with a USB plug on the other day. <laughs> it is an issue in cities around the world. So you have this phenomenon and it's in, it's in Melbourne, it's in Tokyo, it's in New York, it's in Los Angeles, it's in London, it's in Toronto, where the desirability to live in the centre of the city is creating an incredible demand for property that a lot of private developers are soaking up and taking advantage of completely legitimately, as they should do, as they would do. But that's creating this affordable housing crisis and it's creating this almost like this two-tier society where there are rural areas industrial areas of many nations that feel forgotten and left behind as these cities pull further and further ahead and the wealth gap becomes greater and greater I, again I don't know how you solve that I think a lot of governments around the world from the White House to the UN to Downing Street to everywhere else is trying to solve that but um, yeah, do not I d I don't I don't intend to try and solve it here, but it's yeah, as you say, it is it's a big problem. It's like the Hunger Games, isn't it?
2: So go watch the Hunger Games, that'll make you feel better. Because it's not that bad yet.
0: We're getting there. <laughs> Let us know what you think of Gothenburg, guys. Have you been there? Do you live there? What do you think of the plan? What do you think is gonna happen? How should we solve some of these massive issues? Drop us an email, podcast at the b1m.com. So, as we said, guys, this week's episode is sponsored by Bluebeam. Bluebeam develops innovative technology solutions that set the standards for project efficiency and collaboration for design and construction professionals worldwide. Founded in 2002, which, as we established last time, is a cracking year in pop culture, brought us movies like The Born Identity, music like Justin Timberlake's Justified album. An absolute banger of a year. Sorry, well, a second. It's
1: Hot in Here came out then. 2002. Oh. Yeah. oh,
0: what a tune, tune, mate. It actually a good oh, tune.
1: Oh, banger. Was that 2002? Oh, that was quite, yeah. I think. That's Google's line mate. Great year. Yeah, I love it. Nickelback, how do you remind me.
0: Bit of a banger for
1: you, Fred. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember 2002. I was, I was 16. <clears throat> I had no money and I was washing cars. And I'd use the money from washing cars to go out with my mates and then spend it all when I have to wash cars again. And it was like this little cycle over the summer. Mm. It was great. I was <laughs> times. So run around in nappies was, back then. I like- was watching.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was also the year that Bluebeam was founded. Bluebeam creates desktop, mobile, and cloud-based solutions for paperless workflows that improve communication and streamline processes across the entire project lifecycle from design through review and construction to handover and beyond. The key to Bluebeam's success is partnering with Fred Mills over many years. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. But it's it's definitely a factor. It's definitely a factor. Another thing that's contributed to Bluebeam's success is their customer-focused approach to product developments. Bluebeam works with the industry to create solutions for the industry More than 2.5 million design construction professionals in over 160 countries trust Bluebeam's award-winning document and collaboration solutions to get more done in less time. Goodness knows we all want to do that. I'm sure Liam's in that boat at the minute with his new house.
1: Yeah, if you could create an app for for my little dilemma, that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs)
0: How to charge your phone remotely. I regret saying this, actually. (laughs) (laughs) No, right. It's out there now. No, it's, it's important, it's important oh, that we're honest no. about the struggles we're facing. You know? <laughs> Founded in Pasadena, California, Bluebeam now has additional offices throughout the US, Germany, the UK, Sweden, and Australia. It's literally worldwide domination. Bluebeam is part of the Nemetschek group. You can find out what Bluebeam can do for you and your business and your sanity and your working life and your construction team and that awesome skyscraper you're working on right now by downloading a free 30-day free trial guys a free 30-day trial over at bluebeam.com and experiencing the benefits for yourself that is bluebeam.com 30-day free trial i would recommend this they're a great company uh, i've just been to a lovely little event with them in san diego which were certainly changed my opinion of them <laughs> you know that'll do it that'll keep you happy um great firm great people the software I've I've seen firsthand it change and impact construction teams around the world. So uh yeah, big, big fans, big supporters of B1M for a very long time. They're supporting us with the podcasts. She said to me, uh, can we can we sponsor the first episode? Because I know that at least everyone will at least listen to that one. <laughs> I'll give that one a go. Just a great vote of confidence from Blue Beam. <laughs> That's what you want to hear. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they, they, they believed in it. They believed in the podcast when we first got it off the ground. Yeah, no, as I said, guys, uh, they're here again. They're sponsoring us again. Uh, thanks to Bluebeam. Check it out. 30-day free trial over at bluebeam.com. What's in the news this week, guys? Saudi Arabia has unveiled legitimate plans to host the 2029 Asian Winter Games in the middle of its new desert development, Neon. Now, you are correct. I know what you're thinking. They're going to host a Winter Games, which includes tobogganing and skiing and goodness knows what else. Things that require ice and snow in the middle of a desert. It looks absolutely incredible. There are renders that... Bring this to life in a very dramatic way. It's up there with the line. I think from the people that drew the line, you've now got this uh, incredible Winter Olympic resort. It's called. I'm probably going to get this wrong, but Trojina is the resort they're building for this. It's actually up in a mountain range. It's not completely crazy. It's about two thousand meters above sea level, I believe, or two thousand feet above sea level. I don't know. I should probably check that. But anyway, it's up in the, up in the snow, up in the mountains, about fifty kilometers inland. It spreads across a sixty square kilometer area all kinds of architects involved in this Zaha deed adus un studio to name but a few some really big awesome names in there currently under construction going to be completed in 2026 the first venue in saudi arabia to offer outdoor skiing shocker big surprise there Uh, it's got this folded vertical village which is going to be created inside a cave in the mountains which looks absolutely incredible There's this new man-made lake. They're basically putting this dramatic angled concrete block across the end of a valley and filling the valley with water to create this new man-made lake. It's insane. It's up there with the nine, in my view. It's Winter Olympics in the desert, brought to you with almost like unlimited budget with the world's best architects. Not sure if I agree with it, but the renders look good, and it was, I think, the best-performing social media post we had. In the last month on the B1M, such was the reaction to it. What do you guys make,
2: Liam? Who's going to moan first about <laughs> this? Do you want me to moan? Have a moan first? Mate, you I'm, I'm m- in shock. <laughs> I'm looking at the pictures and I'm reading the comments on Instagram, and I'm, uh, oh mate, you go first, Luke. I, I know you feel quite strongly. I fine. think this right. <clears throat> I think this is an absolute joke. I think it's an absolute joke. Yes, it looks it looks good. Okay, that's great. Um, I think. Saudi Arabia hosting the Winter Olympics alone. That that title is absurd. I think there's so much more money that could be pumped. They, uh, I mean, they've got the money, or, uh, uh, apparently. Um, why can't they pump it into things that are actually going to like be good for the country, good for the people that live there and any sort of potential people who want to live there in the future? Um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that you've got this pretend winter olympic disneyland being built in some mountains in saudi arabia it's 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 ridiculous and who's going to be building this do you know what i mean what people are going to be building this it's not going to be like saudi people is it do you know what i mean i'll i'll leave that for you guys to 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 figure out but we all know we all know what happens with these massive developments over there right and i I i think it's i think it's ridiculous at a time when you, you know, you have economic crisis when we're meant to be focusing on sustainability, on, I, it makes me a little bit angry and it feels tone deaf to the global situation right now. And I think it's a step in the complete opposite direction that a lot of these... Areas these countries these re- this region is working hard to move away from these huge vanity projects that all they serve is a massive marketing banner to the area and to the country it's it's basically in my, in, in my head it's propaganda it's propaganda, and I think it's a joke absolute joke, especially when you've got probably smaller countries that actually do Olympic sports in Asia, right that could probably do with the tourism. Do with the budget, and they, they might not have the best facilities in the world, but it snows there. You, you know, <laughs> am i missing something. Am Look, I- you
0: just stop being so flaky and make a clear point, and just like <laughs> come down on one side of the argument. We can't really tell where you stand on this.
2: There you go, mate. And that just—that's the surface, anyway. That's the surface. I mean, it looks cool, though. Yeah. So there's it that, does, mate. <laughs> <laughs> It looks—it looks stunning.
1: The renders are insane. I, uh, I agree, mate. It's ridiculous. Snow in the desert, artificial lake. Like, yeah, come on. It, do you ever have the Summer Olympics in, like, a cold climate? You know what I mean? Would you ever have that? You know, because it's just absurd, right? <laughs> what <do> you, mean? <laughs> now, what do
2: you mean? Well, that's what do you well, mean by got, like Summer You've know, the Winter,
1: Winter Olympics in um, Saudi Arabia. Would you ever have oh, the Summer Olympics, you, you know, in somewhere cold? I yeah, don't think you would. Yeah. No,
2: you, you wouldn't. Be like, That's Nushman. ridiculous. No. Yeah. Yeah. But and, money and speaks, Liam. Money money talks. Do you know what Antarctica I
0: mean? Antarctica 2024 <laughs> 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 the Olympic Games. <laughs> they never get they never get a fair crack Antarctica, do they? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> when are they gonna host the Winter
1: Olympics? What's your thoughts on it, Fred? No fence sitting I, as well, mate. So, No fence
0: sitting. No. So I, I kind of agree with you guys. Like it is there's a there's a goal here and what Saudi Arabia are trying to do is put themselves on the map and increase tourism and economic growth on the far side of their country on the kind of the Red Sea side of their country it will improve the lives of some people in Saudi Arabia there will be economic growth from it they're trying to sort of ahead of time balance out this this fall in the purchase of fossil fuels from their economy with tourism and interest so From the point of view of getting people's attention, building a dramatic place to come and visit that's going to help grow their economy, it's very effective. Is it right? Is it being built ethically? Is it what the world needs right now? No.
2: Right. Right. It's – I don't know if I'm being, like, too harsh on it because also I don't want to – yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be balanced with something like this though. When you have a project so extreme, it feels inevitable that you're gonna have extreme views on it. Do you know what I mean? So mm. yeah. I, yeah think I,
0: I, I mean, on behalf of our Instagram account, like a big thanks to the guys that drew the renders, because that I think we got like 10,000 <laughs> 10, likes. <laughs> so <laughs> purely from Instagram's perspective, thanks for growing our account, guys. That was that was
1: helpful. <laughs> I've never seen the uh, the comments on any of our posts, so negative towards a project. Like, everyone's just slamming really? it. Yeah. Everyone just thinks it's ridiculous.
2: No. I can't imagine this, like, being... Like, like what I said, this is meant to be, like, a big marketing thing, like a big advertisement for, for Saudi or this region, right? But I can't really imagine it doing the job that it's intended to do. You know, it's not really painting sound in a good light but i don't know maybe it's just us like architecture construction geeks that are annoyed about it and then the rest of the world would be like hey this is pretty cool this is because on paper this is very impressive it's incredibly impressive it's just that it's annoying that you know and and every country's guilty of this every single one us uk plenty of countries in europe wherever you know where we're pumping money into these mega projects where you know maybe we could be pumping money into a lot better things around the world.
0: Yeah, and I think I don't think it is just us. I think there's a lot of people who've been commenting on this. As Liam said, you have to bear in mind that uh, our social media following is is sort of more focused on on the Western Asia. So you the, you, you naturally have that kind of perspective coming through. But just to give you a flavour of some of the comments, this is just on LinkedIn. Interesting. Maybe we should have the Summer Olympic Games in Northern Norway next. Going back to Liam's point sustainability at its best right here how many local construction workers from saudi arabia are going to be on the numerous construction sites or will they again resort to labor from india pakistan bangladesh indonesia etc humanity has crossed the line of madness it looks like we have the money and ingenuity to solve climate change but we're choosing to build this instead what next reservations for polar bears until 2040 it, it just goes on and on and on these these negative comments some of them are quite funny, and it is quite funny to read them, but it goes to that point, isn't it that it's been kind of it's dramatic, it gets interest, but it's been pretty pretty widely panned, at least by our audience mm.
1: rightfully so it would be it would be if they do build it pretty impressive to see that, and if it looks like the renders, it would be quite beautiful to see. obviously, I'm against it, but if they can pull that off yeah. in the desert,
2: that's quite that. impressive though. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's just,
0: yeah, it's annoying.
2: Mm. It's frustrating. It is is
0: impressive. It shows what mankind is capable of. But it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, blimey, if we can do that, why aren't we solving world hunger, dealing with the affordable housing crisis, tackling climate change, dealing with things that actually matter to millions of people on this planet rather than a select few? Mm. Yes, it is impressive, but it's also frustrating in the same breath, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah and you're right you you're right mate like we we can solve those issues do you know what i mean people pretend like that and that uh, again i'm not trying to get too political here at all because i i i don't have the answers but we, we we definitely have the tools to fix this stuff we definitely do but i think this is just the this is the epitome of that do you know what i mean like that this is the whole visual the whole identity the whole character of that we can do we can fix these these issues and yet we're we're doing this that's what i feel but maybe it's because i'm just a bit of a frustrated construction geek do you know what i mean maybe a lot of people wouldn't be that bothered maybe it's good for that region i don't know
0: also the news this week over in albania we've got a 185 meter tree covered skyscraper that's been unveiled set to start construction soon 47 stories, mixed use. It's going to rise in the country's capital, which is Tirana. I believe I've I've said that correctly. Look out for that on your next pub quiz. What's the capital of Albania? Now you know, thanks to your favorite podcast. All very impressive the way it looks. It's been designed by, uh, well, it's been inspired by the natural landscapes that surround the city. It's a kind of quite dramatic shaped, as I said, 47 story skyscraper. It's got this kind of rocky facade with trees planted across it. Will it look like that is the million dollar question as you know the renders look very exciting we've got trees on buildings again we've got nature coming into the built world mixed reviews on this online what did you guys think about it I like it mate I think it um it, it straight away reminds me
1: of that sort of Adriatic coastline you know what I mean a bit of bush the um, brickwork kind of rustic style of the setup of it so I'm leaning I'm leaning towards a, a yes big fan
2: <laughs> big fan that's like you're gorgeous mate big fan <laughs> big vocabulary big f- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, i I, th- I think this is really impressive. Uh, it, it has got the trees on it and the the greenery, the shrubbery, which seems to be. I, I don't think we go a, a week without talking about a skyscraper with like trees on it. You know, this year It's definitely the trend. Um, but I what I really what I particularly like is the cladding, the or the facade. Um, it's kind of like this stone, rocky. Texture and it reminded me there was. I have admittedly, I have had to just Google it to remind me what the name was, but there was a similar low rise building in London completed. Um, oh, wow, it's that long, it was a few years ago, 2018, 15 Clarkenwell, um, close, and it is this low rise, and it's all clad in like stone, stone bits of facade, all clamped together on this kind of neat boxed shape and it looks fantastic it looks really really good and i've read as well it's a really sustainable way of cladding a building um i think i think this is this is a pretty cool tower pretty cool tower and especially what i like is uh, it seems to complement its surroundings seems to look really good there on the skyline that last picture there on instagram looks good looks really good could be quite iconic for for uh, albania mm. So, yeah, yeah it's, um, it,
0: it's interesting. That 15 Clerkenwell Close you mentioned, Luke, is actually opposite a church we've done some filming in before. It's this sort of church in Farringdon area. But that project was actually pretty controversial because the the cladding that appeared on it wasn't hadn't been fully detailed in the planning documents. And Islington Council in London actually called for it to be demolished. And there was a big fight about the building. It basically been built in breach of planning permission, or so they claimed. And there was this long-running legal fight to get it demolished. I think the architects and developers won on appeal, and it's now it now gets to stay. But yeah, that building uh, and that facade caused a big old legal row in London.
2: Yeah, I remember that. I can't believe it was that long ago, but I do remember it, and I think it looks pretty cool. I think I think it's and so imagine that on a skyscraper. That looks sick, you know, better than just like glass facade every other skyscraper that we're getting these days like a material like this it's really impressive so oh, i'm i'm looking forward to seeing this rise hopefully it does over yeah. in uh, albania
0: we will we will come back guys when it's constructed and let you know if it looked anything like the renders we'll do a before and after hot or not what did you think of it <laughs> get your votes in uh, yeah we'll bring that back to you in a few weeks time uh, well for a few weeks how quickly they're building it. a few few months maybe a few years time Also in the news this week, another little story we've got for you. This is about the city of Oslo heading back to the Nordics. Uh, A lovely little story about how they're using their purchasing power to help cut emissions on construction sites. So since 2019, public tenders for construction work in the city of Oslo have been awarded to companies using zero-emission machinery and trucks, which is pretty incredible. They've made a big dent on carbon emissions in the city centre by doing this. They've reduced the noise of construction sites I saw a really interesting TED talk. I actually watched it being delivered live a couple of weeks ago uh, from this lady from the city of Oslo, who was explaining that you. She showed this very powerful video of a construction site operating in the middle of Oslo, but you could hear the kids playing in the school next to it because they couldn't hear the construction site noise, and it was it was that was that incredible. Um, yeah, I think this is a really nice story. It's a really impressive uh, use of the clout and influence of local governments or regional governments to help turn the tides on climate change and build in a more sustainable way. We shared that across uh, Tomorrow's Build social media, I think, this week and the week before. So, yeah, kind of look at it. I thought it was pretty interesting. What did you guys make of the zero emission machinery move?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, once again, Scandinavia, showing us how it's done. Uh, It's getting a bit ridiculous at this point. (laughs) You know, just a small thing. That's incredible what you said about, like, the, the school kids. You could hear the school kids while there was a construction site next door an active one i that's remarkable isn't it yeah yeah really impressive and i mentioned earlier about norwegians um the norwegian wealth fund and how wealthy that country is and the fact that they do put a lot of that money into their you know society it really is impressive really admirable
1: yeah I think anything um you can do to minimize sound on construction sites, especially in sort of busy residential areas or in cities and things like that's always always a great great thing to do
0: yeah there's a there's a health and safety argument to it as well because uh, for construction workers, the impact of noise is significantly reduced. There's also an efficiency argument as well because before the noise you know, because the noise of construction sites they had to be Regulated almost by planning restrictions around when they could and couldn't operate construction machinery. Whereas now they can work through the night, they can work longer hours without disturbing the local community. So they can get more done faster, which again helps limit its impact on the environment. So, yeah, pretty impressive. A good move, good move all around. I was, yeah, I was really impressed watching the City of Oslo representative present at this. Uh, so I went to the YouTube Creators for Climate Action Summit, which was a special summit that YouTube had put together with TED Talks where they'd basically invited uh, the top 50 creators from around the world who are using their platforms to inspire a better, more sustainable world, of which Tomorrow's Build was one. So I got to go along with that, which was fantastic to be invited, a really cool thing to be a part of. And some of the speakers there were amazing. Some of the breakout sessions and conversations we had was amazing. And it ge- it gave me a lot of hope, I have to say. It was a really cool thing to go and watch and witness. Seeing a TED Talk being being filmed at one stage was was very, very cool. The delivery is, is incredible. Um, But yeah, just hearing and seeing what people are doing and working on was was really fantastic and one of my biggest takeaways was that what people were saying is that the the biggest thing that we need to do right now is start a conversation and raise awareness about the issues and what people can do about it which is why influencers creators social media is so important almost more important than some of the measures that are being deployed around you know renewables cutting carbon emissions so that was a big takeaway that I hadn't hadn't anticipated, um, but yeah, re- very cool event to be part of. I do like hearing construction noises when I'm in a city,
2: though. There's something about it. <laughs> There's something about like <laughs> going up London or going to, like New York or something. They, they, it's part of just that vernacular of what makes a city a city, I suppose. But if you're living around it, it's an it's another. It's another deal. They were they were doing construction road works on my road the other week, and that was annoying while we were recording. So don't know if any of you's noticed that.
0: But yeah. Anyway. One last thing in the news this week. is bit been a busy... Lots happening in the news, at least in our news section at the moment. Um, construction story of the year, guys. The live final is happening in person in a physical event in Munich, Germany. So myself and some of the B1M team... Are going over to Nemetschek's headquarters in Munich for this fantastic final event. It's happening on the second of November. It is free to attend. The link to the registration page is across all of our social media platforms and our website. So go and have a look at that. Uh, I'm very excited to see you there. Come down. It's going to be a good old night. We're going to reveal, as I said, the winner of Construction Story of the Year 2022. The jeopardy, the excitement, the the adrenaline. Come along. It's going to be a good night. I'll meet as many of you as possible. As I said, sign up at the link. Now, favorite part of the episode. Well, possibly. Let's see how it goes. Funny comment of the week. What have you got for us, Liam Marsh?
2: All
1: right. So this is this is actually from a guy that, that comments quite a lot on um, on our socials. He's quite a big advocate for, for the B1M, I suppose. I think... Um, I think Luke, you'll resonate well with this one, mate. So this is on <laughs> the uh, Albanian tower that we were just discussing, and it's it's a comment by a guy called Strawberry Samurai. So Strawberry Samurai, he said, "When in doubt, just whack some trees on stuff." I love that. Yep, it's true. Yeah. My uh, my girlfriend said the other day we were driving through Sydney, and she said do they just stick trees on any buildings now?
2: I said, yeah, I was like, <laughs> no way. Yeah, she
1: did. There's a, there's a, um, there's a big building down by the uni in Sydney. We're driving past it. It's covered in trees. And she's just like, that's my worst nightmare. Think of all the bugs, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't agree more, mm. man.
2: Yeah. It's it. That's how you know. That's how you know it's becoming a thing when you know your average uh, civilians are pointing out what we talk about <laughs> on the podcast. You know, you, you know, yeah,
0: it's, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, it's pretty bang on isn't it. I mean, that is that just seem to be the solution. Like they they look at the renders, they get to a stage and like, go, oh, you know what? Let's add some trees. That'll make it. That'll, that'll get it. Yeah, get some interest behind it. <laughs> Shout out to Sam. So, um, Strawberry Samurai is sam one of our biggest supporters he's he's long watched the b1m and tomorrow's build commented on our videos been a huge advocate for us so yeah thanks man it's a pleasure to have you read out on the podcast i think liam did that by accident but uh yeah very pleased to see you read right out here we've also got some uh messages coming luke haven't we
2: yeah yeah we got a nice little message well i did fred um brandon de Bruyne uh slid into my dm sorry if i've mispronounced that i'm just pronouncing it like the footballer kevin DeBurner, no, you're right D- so. dms is right you're
0: right it's dms dms yeah that's how you pronounce it yeah
2: what were you talking to- oh my word <laughs> fred fred i'm deleting that from the podcast i'm editing that out mate i'm editing that out right okay. that it's got
0: to go in it's got to go in it but- <laughs>
2: Brandon messaged me, slid in, and he went, Hey, Luke, I wanted to reach out to you to thank you guys on the B1M podcast, the world's best construction podcast, Brandon. Uh, I've been loving it, especially the perspective you personally bring to the conversation. There's a lot of podcasts out there that take construction too seriously while conveying very little the general public would understand. The genuine curiosity and interest you guys share is very apparent and important. I listen to the episodes as I transit into architectural school. Thanks for contributing to my knowledge and understanding of the construction world.
0: Uh, thank you
2: so much, Brandon. In that nice, in that a nice message to to get on your LinkedIn.
0: Very nice, fantastic. Yeah, as you said, uh, some podcasts take construction too seriously. Yeah, you won't get that here, mate. You won't get that here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Unless Saudi Arabia are doing something then we might take it a little bit <laughs> serious. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Thanks Brandon. Appreciate that mate.
0: That's lovely to hear. Keep your messages coming in guys. Um, slightly hurt that Liam and Luke haven't brought up the fact that in the last week I was named an IET honorary fellow alongside Sir Patrick Stewart. No one's congratulated me. No one's thanked me. There were thousands of comments and likes on social media but no we're leaving it out of this. Thanks lad. Thanks for giving me humble. News to me mate. It's News I, I to think,
1: me. I thanked you three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> we just weren't allowed to talk about
2: it. <laughs> All right, mate. Congrats, congrats on the on the award. Thanks. It's pretty so cool. It's pretty amazing. So, have you gone? You go, uh, do you go somewhere to accept the award with with do you, the guy from Star Trek, or do you? <laughs> is it just online? What? How does it work? And is it King Charles giving you the the
1: thing? <laughs> <laughs> That's Prince Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so who gives it to you mate so who gives you the award oh, no.
0: frustratingly there was an event last thursday with sir patrick stewart and the oh. uh other So there's, there's three honorary fellows uh, because i was filming sorry there are three other honorary fellows alongside myself including sir patrick stewart but because i was filming in denmark and the quirk of the diaries i wasn't there but there were lots of pictures on social media of the other honorary fellows meeting sir patrick stewart not me but uh no i will i've got an appointment coming up with them and a bit of a kind of a, a filmed event where i'm going to go sign the book get the certificate get added to the wall which is very very exciting in all seriousness like it's an incredibly humbling thing they don't give those out very easily and to get that kind of recognition from the establishment of the, of the industry is uh is really quite something because i've had a bit of a journey with the piano over the years so to get it to this place where it's had that level of cut through and impact is uh is awesome. But yeah, thanks for keeping me grounded, guys. Thanks for laughing aloud <laughs> and uh, <laughs> asking who gives it to me. King Charles III is actually one of the previous IET Honorary Fellows. Uh, so mixing with the King now. Oof, big stuff.
2: Uh, go on. Go on, Fred. Go on. <laughs> well done, mate. <laughs> no, no, I'll oh, J- joke it aside mate joking aside it is it is tremendous I, I was showing I was taking screenshots and showing it to my friends and family and everything That very 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 impressive I mean your face next to
0: my Patrick Stewart like know,
2: come what's on what's going
0: on what's going come on come on crazy times anyway guys we hope you enjoyed this video Subscribe and like to the B1M. <laughs> the definitive
1: definitive podcast for construction.
2: You're really happy with yourself. <laughs> oh, mate,
1: that was a good gag. <laughs> oh
2: was it
0: thanks for listening guys this episode was sponsored by Bluebeam as I said go and check out that 30 day free trial over at bluebeam.com let us know what you think of the issues raised in today's video the $100 billion upgrade of Gothenburg over in Sweden, Saudi Arabia's plan to host the 2029 Asian Winter Games, the tree-covered skyscraper in Albania, Oslo's push for zero-emission carbon machinery. Uh, We want your comments, we want your feedback, we want your input. Let us know. Podcast at the B1M.com and we will see you next week.